BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welcome, everybody, to Sharp Lesson Stadium Sports Betting Podcast. We got the professor, Nate Jacobson. I'm Ben Wittenstein, and it is the day after the national championship game. And uh, what a snooze fest it was. You know, it looked like it may be interesting towards the end of that first quarter. Maybe TCU had a little bit of a shot, and uh, that went all downhill pretty fast, Nate. Yeah, I think uh, Georgia just showed that they are the more talented team, the more physical team, the more athletic team. And the TCU team that we had our doubts about maybe in like November yeah, kind of showed up. And uh, I don't know who's feeling worse on a Tuesday morning, the Michigan fans <laughs> who lost that TCU game on December yeah. 31st in Glendale or the Ohio State fans who know they really had Georgia on the ropes, probably should have won that football game, and they would have had a great chance to win the national title last night. I actually say the Ohio State fans because that's a great missed opportunity to win the title where Michigan kind of shot themselves in the foot and they know they made their own mistakes and who knows if they even make it a game against Georgia in that potential title game so I'd be pretty down if I was an Ohio State fan and as someone who had Ohio State to win the title I've already kind of you know gotten over that uh, <laughs> not to bring up old wounds or anything and that's a little disappointing but yeah. I did I did have some Georgia exposure yesterday in terms of first half and full nice. game so I can't complain about the result, even though from a neutral perspective, I know that was a very uh, boring game, but I wasn't completely surprised that Georgia won handily. I guess the margin victory was a surprise, but I wasn't surprised that Georgia covered with ease. Yeah, it's the uh, it's the Stetson Bennett show. He's he's back in the spotlight, back hung over again after national title win from this morning. I don't know if you saw, but he didn't make his uh, his press conference this morning. A little. Probably a little hungover, a little hurt, maybe maybe still even celebrating from the night before, who's to say. Um, but certainly a fun quarterback to watch. Old guy, as everyone knows, but Georgia really got it done. So, you know, congrats to the Bulldogs. Uh, Nick Saban had to watch it as a commentator for the game. Maybe a little bit of uh, maybe a little bit of despise there from him. Looks like he may maybe coming coming back with a vengeance for next year. Yeah, I I think he uh, he definitely took note. He knows that he created Kirby Smart because he, he did. was an assistant coach. He did, so he might feel a little bit uh, guilty for kind of you know getting this Georgia team off the ground and turning into the new Alabama. And I'm sure Nick Saban's also a little bit stressed out that he wasted Bryce Young's last season in college and now is going to have to really dig deep in terms of all the avenues of player acquisition in college football, whether it's the recruiting classes, which aren't a problem for Alabama in terms of ratings, but getting the right transfers in and, and some other stuff. So it'll be interesting to see what it is. I saw Georgia opened as the favorite for next year, which is completely justified, especially with Ohio State losing C.J. Stroud, Alabama losing Bryce Young. And Georgia, even though Bennett is, a, I guess, a big loss, they're a good enough team where I don't think it matters who their quarterback is. So nope. They're always going to reload um, instead of rebuild. Yeah, so college football in the rearview mirror. Now time NFL playoffs where 
I don't count the Pro Bowl as a competitive game. So, because last night's game was like the last college game, I view the NFL as there's 13 more opportunities to bet competitive football games. Wow. Um, until, I guess, uh, August or Labor Day. Yeah, so sad. We really got to take advantage of that. And so, of course, we got NFL games coming up for this coming weekend. And, you know, usually for our uh, Tuesday shows, we, we just take a look at some of these opening lines, kind of how we feel, what we're leaning towards. We're not going to make any picks until Thursday, I don't think, unless we really feel strongly about a bet right now. But what we wanted to do was, A, look at some of these lines that have opened up for the first round of the uh, NFL playoffs for the wild card games. And then, of course, towards the back end of the episode, if you wanted to keep on listening as we review our NFL bets from this past year, which... Uh, you know, we did pretty well for these future bets. I was a little surprised how well we did. I, I listened back to the August 30th podcast, just like how we did last month with the college football bets when we reviewed what we made for the for the season and, and conference futures and everything like that. So NFL, other than a, one team in particular, we uh, we had a pretty good eye on the ball in terms of the futures. I think we were pretty selective and, yeah. and gave us some good futures. So it might sound like a victory lap towards the end of the show, but I think we can kind of talk about some of the bets we made and, and what we learned. And a few of those teams are going to be in the postseason, so maybe we can share some additional thoughts about how we see those teams doing the rest of the month well, and into February, possibly. It is called Sharp Lessons, so we're going to try to take a little bit of a lesson from how we bet these uh, preseason lines and, and make it towards next year because if we go two years in a row with good preseason bets we're really sitting pretty on the uh sure on the money side so let's look at some of these opening lines nate for the opening bell for the first uh, round of these wild card games seahawks at the 49ers minus 10 is the line in favor of san francisco total 43 um strong lean in this game i don't particularly have one 10 is a lot of points i know it's at home for san francisco it's a it's a lowish total with a high spread you know, that would make me probably want to lean towards the Seahawks. But, again, I, I think we're at this point for Seattle where they had a great start to the year, and it was a fun team. Geno Smith was playing really well. Teams couldn't really figure it out. And towards the second half of the season, as it wind down and teams kind of figured out the Seahawks, they just looked like the team that everyone expected them to be to start the year. And they barely got by the Rams at the end of the season as a six-point favorite. Yeah, in, in the last eight games for the Seahawks, they won three games. One was barely against John Wolford in L.A. The last game, barely against Baker Mayfield at home in a game they had to win to even have a shot at the playoffs, and, and they got that opportunity with the Lions being the Packers later in the day. And then in between that, they beat a banged-up Mike White and the Jets, who clearly was not right for that game as he was still nursing the rib injury so yeah I, I really do believe that 10 is the right number in this game and I don't love laying you know big numbers especially in a playoff game but I could only bet the 49ers or look towards the 49ers side I think one way to possibly play it is maybe like a Seahawks team total under just thinking that they're going to struggle offensively just kind of how they did when these two teams played in week 15 on a Thursday night when the 49ers closed three and the Seahawks only touchdown in the game was pretty late in the game and Brock Purdy's first road start so I think that's the only way I could I could look in terms of leaning the Niners lean the under so I think the Seahawks team total under might be the only way to do this game especially with how good the 49ers are on on offense or defense and I mean offensively you get Debo Samuel back who missed the last yeah. Seahawks game so I feel like the 49ers are just going to want to run the ball chew clock keep their players who ha are getting healthier but kind of preserve their health for some bigger playoff games 
And I just like the way the 49ers are coming into this playoffs. They haven't had too many high-stress games because they've kind of known since they clinched the division that they were kind of going to be either the two or three seed. So they have been able to rest players, preserve some bodies, and, and the Seahawks needed literally over 60 minutes just to even get to this point, and this is the early game on Saturday, so a short week for them. So How- everything, in my, in my opinion – favors the 49ers situationally and matchup wise the only thing is the price I don't want to lay 10 but that's the only way I could look yeah I don't love the 10 points how will Brock Purdy show up first playoff game for the 23 year old you know like how how is he going to react to this it may take him a little while to warm up I I don't I don't know this is this is a lot of pressure for a young guy who came into the season thinking he was going to be a third string quarterback and now he's starting in the first round of the playoffs for a yeah. team for the 49ers and I'd, I'd agree with that I just don't think Brock Purdy's gonna have to do too much they're not gonna ask him to do much unless they somehow get down in this game but if I think the 49ers defense gonna play well and run the ball I don't think Purdy is gonna be really tested and he might not really be tested until the NFC title game when they possibly have to go to Philly so I feel like Purdy's kind of been protected with a lot of opponents that aren't don't have really good records and a lot of home games and I feel like this is kind of a a extension of the regular season where obviously there's more pressure because it's you know single elimination playoff but I don't think they're gonna be asking him to make a ton of tough throws and he he seems like he has a he has a little bit of a connection with uh fellow Cyhawk rival tight end George Kittle and I know the Seahawks have trouble stopping tight ends and, and Kittle had a monster game in Seattle so feel like they're just going to ask him to make simple throws and now with Debo Samuel back in the mix it's going to be a lot of those short dink and dug throws and have the 49ers playmakers get yards after catches which is kind of what the San Francisco offense is dictated on so one of my more favorite games of the weekend Chargers at the Jaguars Chargers are minus one that total is uh, fairly high at 47 and a half this game is going to be chaos because everything we know about the Chargers you never really know what you're going to get with LA and then with the Jaguars they've been hot to end the season Trevor Lawrence looks like the game is finally slowing down for him and and the offense is running pretty well and the defense is looking good so it makes sense why this line is so low at Chargers minus one but going to be in Jacksonville Chargers are going to be pretty healthy heading into this game as, as healthy as we've seen them in a while I honestly I don't know who to bet this is this is maybe a game where I really like whoever is going to be the underdog but if it's at minus one you're not really getting a lot of points so I truly don't have a decisive lean in this game, at least for the spread. I do like the over. Now that it's at 47.5, as long as it's below 49, I like the over in this game. But spread-wise, I, I don't think I can make a decision either way. So I actually made a small bet on this game. I took Jaguars plus 1.5, mostly because I saw this line going towards plus 1. Now there's some even some pickums on the board. So yep. I just wanted to get ahead of – the side I was kind of considering in Jacksonville, and then we'll see what I, I do with it later. But I do think Jacksonville actually should be a small favorite in this game really? at home on a Saturday night. I just don't think the Chargers are that good. And I know that they have had a lot of injuries this season, have yep. had a lot of adversity, and they're starting to get those players back. But Jags, they, they played Saturday night last, so they have a rest advantage because the Chargers played Sunday. And I think the Jags, even though they didn't play well against the Titans, not getting the cover in that game, I just think they got that kind of like lackluster performance out of the way and that they're going to be well more prepared for another high leverage game on Saturday night. Meanwhile, maybe I I don't want to like overreact to what the Chargers did on Sunday, but Brandon Staley, I thought, did a horrible job managing things. So stupid. A quick rundown if you were paying attention to other games. The Chargers were locked in the five seed because the Ravens lost early in the day. 
So the Chargers had no incentive to play their players at all at Denver. We saw that line move like nine and a half points throughout the week with anticipation the Chargers would have the five seed locked up as the Ravens looked very injured heading into that Bengals game. And there was – you know speculation they'd punt the game and they ended up sitting a couple players starting Anthony Brown so they basically did that the Chargers still play Justin Herbert Austin Eckler Keenan Allen Derwin James playing in into the fourth quarter in Denver in a meaningless game Mike Williams also played he left the game uh, with a back spasm or something I guess yeah. he'll be available yeah, but still, it is negative so yeah still like right. a guy who's kind of been injury prone this season and his career in the NFL no reason he should be out there I think Joe Joey Bosa all re, also re-aggravated an injury so this is the way the Chargers handled that game and now they have a short week because they played Sunday and this game is Saturday night another road game cross-country travel I, I really do not like kind of how the Chargers are, are going in the playoffs. Maybe it's overreacting to something that I shouldn't be overreacting to, but I think there's enough of a number edge, and just having Doug Peterson over Brandon Staley in a playoff game makes me interested in the home team here. Yeah, I, I just don't know if I could pick any spot. I'll have to see how that line moves and see you know how healthy Mike Williams is going to be. But if this Chargers team is fully healthy, I like it. I, I do, and I've, I've always been a big fan of the Chargers if they're the underdog. So as a favorite, if it's going to go up to one and a half, it's going to go up to two, I might do. I might see if, if I can hit the Jaguars again on that back. But I do like the over because I do think these are two teams. It's going to be a chaotic game. It, it, these are two of the weirdest teams to me in the NFL that have made the playoffs. So I, I really am hoping that it's going to be a bit of a shootout. Not even a shootout because that's saying the offenses are competent, but almost just a game where there's a lot of points scored. The defenses are confused. There's not a lot of defense. It's a faster-paced game. I like the over, uh, leaning towards the over in this one. Definitely one of the more fun games, I think, of the weekend in terms of the point spread competitiveness, but also you have Justin Herbert against Trevor Lawrence, two of the bright young quarterbacks in the AFC who are making their playoff debuts. Let's go to the Dolphins at the Bills, where the Bills are minus 10.5. The total is 45. Uh, The ruling on Tua right now is we don't know. They're going to announce later right. in the week maybe what what they're what if he's going to start or not, but the line seems to indicate that he's probably not going to play. It's probably going to be yeah. Teddy Bridgewater. So a Bills team against Teddy Bridgewater, especially with the emotions that the Bills have had the past couple of weeks, take the Bills all the way. Yeah, so I, I know Bridgewater had the uh, broken pinky suffered in Week 17, so it might even be Skyler Thompson. It might be Skyler, yeah. So I, this line is definitely leaning towards no Tua in either Bridgewater or Skyler, who mm-hmm. I think from what we've seen this season and how the Dolphins have really only won games where where uh, Tua has finished other than that Week 18 game, which was you know a game the Dolphins will score a touchdown in but beat Joe Flacco's Jets. Uh, you know, they've only won games that Tua f- has finished, so – it's just tough to you know make a decision maybe we'll have more on this game thursday but based on the quarterback uncertainty for the dolphins i just don't want to touch this game i i think 10 and a half would be the uh the way to go on the bills if you, especially i think it's unlikely to a plays but knowing this is a playoff game and, and maybe some just like other external factors I, i'm just a little bit concerned that uh, this line does go down once two is announced in. Like I said, I don't think he will, but I rather not. You know, I don't feel compelled. I guess to you know. No, get ahead why, of why a, would you? A line move. Well, I guess the thing is, like, if I do like the bill, if you do like the bills, you might want to bet them now, right? If you think two is going to be out, I just think there are better games to bet this week, and uh, 
I'd rather just wait a little bit because of the quarterback uncertainty on the Dolphins' side. And that total, too. I like the under, under 45. And, and as we saw with the Dolphins game in Week 18, I, I mean, I, I think there's – the Dolphins, if with Skylar Thompson, they're not going to score a lot. Nope. If anything, maybe, maybe two touchdowns. Maybe they get to 14 points. And their defense is good enough to, to hold the Bills accountable for maybe 20, 24 points. 45 is a lot of points to ask – from a game where one team is playing their third-string quarterback and has a pretty good defense, too. It's a lot of points. And it's not just quarterback injuries for the Dolphins. Hill and Waddle have been banged up yep. down the stretch. Offensive line injuries for the Dolphins have mounted and kind of put a put a wrench into their – that was like a key thing in their losing streak where like Teron Armstead was hurt and there's some other guys hurt. Raheem Mostert, who's actually an important running back for them, I know he's banged up and might miss this game. So it's just kind of a culmination of all these injuries on the Miami offense that makes me uh, not want to bet them at all. So, yeah, that's uh, that's my take on this game. Maybe we'll get more Thursday once we know if um, who's more likely to start a quarterback and if there's a line move based on that. Let's go to the most intriguing game betting-wise, Giants at the Vikings, minus three in favor <laughs> Of uh, the uh, Giants, right? Or in favor of the Vikings. Yep, Vikings minus three. Totals at 48 and a half. I kind of got to leave the Giants. Uh, do we? How much do we trust the Vikings? How, how no, much after seeing what they have done to end the season? And after, you know, everyone, it took a while for people to kind of catch up about the point discrepancy and, and the point differential for this Vikings team. But finally people caught on. Right. And then it seemed like once that happened, the Vikings themselves kind of caught on and thought, hmm, maybe we're actually not that good. And they started playing like it. So I don't I don't know if I could trust the Vikings in any spot. And I know the Giants have their own issues and they have a young team and a first-year head coach. But, man, Vikings laying three points. That's a lot of points. Yeah, I think my lean in this game is Giants. My only worry is I don't really – I'm not really excited to bet on Daniel Jones making his playoff debut yeah, on the road in Minnesota, which yeah. hypothetically should have a strong home field advantage with yeah. the Dome and just how many seats are in that stadium. So I think the number is a little bit short. I just want no part of the Vikings, especially as a favorite. Um, some background with this game, they had a, a game in Week 16 – the Saturday, um, of, I guess it was Christmas Eve that afternoon, uh, the Vikings closed minus four and a half that game. Vikings won the game 27-24 on a last-second field goal. And uh, I, th- I think the reason why that line got out to four and a half was the Giants were coming off a big Sunday night win against the Commanders, and then they had a short week with travel to Minnesota, and, and they ended up playing really well in that game, outgaining the Giants by almost 100 yards, dominating the box score, but – losing the game just kind of like a lot of Vikings games where maybe it's not very pretty, but they do find ways to win games. So it's a pretty big adjustment, I'd say, from four and a half to three, just because it goes through a secondary key number of four and gets on a key number of three. But I think the reason we get there is because the Giants were able to rest players in week 18. So it's almost like they had a bye last week, and they're coming in fresh and prepared for this game. And I think Brian Dable's a terrific coach. And he'll like have a really good game plan in this game. I, I just feel like it's a little bit – you're not getting the best number, I guess, on the Giants um, and that the Vikings' luck and their point differential stuff and everything like that that we've pointed to as reasons to fade the Vikings is kind of built in this number. So I would not bet the Vikings in this game, 
Uh, it's Giants or pass, and at this point, probably a pass for me. Total's a little high, too. 48 and a half. Hiring? With Indeed, your search is over. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's an interesting total. This is a game I have no opinion on the total, but I I, I like the Giants a plus three. The total is... That's a weird number, 48 and a half. I, I don't know. It's, so the, the total in this week 16 game three weeks ago also was 48 and a half. The game actually went over, but it was a lot of fourth scoring, late scoring. So it started yeah. off slow and then picked up. So I don't know if there's anything to take away from that. Maybe a first half under or a full game under if you think some of that scoring was fluky yeah. in that game. But the Giants were able to move the ball on the Vikings, and I do have concern about the Vikings' defense, and now I have concern also about the Vikings' offensive it's line. not a good defense. Who, who have lost a couple players. Yeah. Their center, Garrett Bradbury's injured, and, and I think that's kind of going to be the key injury to watch um, in this game especially. Yeah, 100%. I mean, you look at Minnesota's last few games. They went over four of their last five games, and the last game was against the Bears, where the Bears really scored 13 points. So they've been hitting their overs. The Vikings have. Right. Um, it's definitely an interesting line. I would I would tend to lean towards the under because they've seen each other before. It's a playoff game. Stakes are high. You have familiarity. So maybe the game slows down a little bit. The defense is adjust. Sure. Um, so if I had any lean, it would be the under, but I do feel a lot stronger about that Giants plus three. Two more games to look at, Nate. Bengals at the Ravens. Minus six and a half is the spread in favor of the Bengals. Totals at 43 and a half. How much? Uh, how much do we like uh, Cincy here? Is the um, real question. Okay, interesting way to phrase that question because um, I don't know if I like Cincy honestly. And this is another game where it's all quarterback driven. Uh, right now, I think we're kind of at a number where it's in between what it would be if it's depending if it's Lamar Jackson or Tyler Huntley, and, yep. and either both guys were inactive uh, on Sunday, and these two teams played at the on the same field. These two teams played on Sunday in Week 18. Uh, final score ended up being 27 to 16. Bengals actually closed minus 11 and a half when he got the word that it was going to be Anthony Brown, no J.K. Dobbins, no Mark Andrews, who's one of the most important tight, end, tight ends in the league, given the weakness of the Ravens' wide receiver group. Bengals get out to a big lead, 60 minutes in, and then their offense kind of shuts down, not scoring. Uh, offensive touchdown the rest of the game the other touchdown was a, a, a defensive touchdown at the end of the first half so the Bengals even though they won comfortably they only had four yards per play against the Ravens defense so I think there's a little bit of worry about this Bengals offense especially with the offensive line injuries but obviously the big question in this game is will Lamar Jackson play he hasn't practiced yes. in a month last game he played I believe it was early December December 4th really you know if if Lamar plays I think this line gets down to four, maybe four and a half. And it's a little bit built into 
how effective is he, which I think is a very justified question because Lamar Jackson's a great quarterback, but the current state of the Ravens' offense around him might make it difficult for him to have success in this game, even though I have questions about the Bengals' defense as a whole. So I want to know more about the injury stuff. If it is Tyler Huntley, I'd imagine this line's like seven and a half. Yep. Um, yeah, and that's kind of where I'm at, where I would like a little bit more information on, on Thursday. I've kind of talked myself into looking under in this game. Yeah, just I was because that. the Bengals offense, a little bit suspect last week. I trust the Ravens defense a bit. And if Lamar does play and that total goes up, I might not trust Lamar to be that successful offensively. So I'm kind of looking to see if that gets out to like 44, maybe 45 with Lamar in. So I'm actually looking in the under between these two division opponents who have a lot of familiarity and know each other well. So I think the under makes a lot of sense in this game, maybe even a first half under. Although with the Bengals, a defensive coordinator, Lou Amaruto, having really good second-half adjustments, maybe full-game under is just the way to go, knowing that even if it is a higher-scoring first half than expected, this game could really slow down in the second half. Both of these teams are heavy under teams this season. Uh, Bengals are 6-9-1 and nine and one to the under, and Baltimore's 5-12 and 12 to the under. So the, both these teams, seemingly the market keeps thinking they're going to score a lot, and then they just don't. So maybe this is a time that 43-and-a-half – I would love for it to be 44. Yeah, no, I, to be 44. Well, I, I would just – but I think that it's an under if Lamar plays, knowing that That's he's going to get go priced up. in like he's, you know, effective right. in terms of the total, but maybe he's not going to be effective offensively, and then you can get, grab a better number. So I think the way I see this game is Lamar ends up playing, and if you do think he's going to play, uh, maybe bet take the, the, Bengals, Ra- or take the, the Ravens, Ravens now. now. Yeah. Um, if you if I, I think if you like the Bengals, you wait regardless. I think you can definitely get the better number. Um, my strategy is here: just wait and then try to bet the under, especially this game being a Sunday night game where the whole country obviously they're paying attention to every game because they're all singular island games. But especially the Sunday night primetime game, maybe a little bit of interest on the over knowing that uh, the public likes to gravitate towards that side. Let's go to the Monday night game. Cowboys minus two and a half. Buccaneers uh, are the underdog in this one, the home dog with the total at 45 and a half. And I, and I will say this about this game, Nate. I have seen everybody and their mothers on the Buccaneers money line in yep. this game. People love Tampa Bay. People think it's going to be Tom Brady's time to shine in the postseason, and they're thinking this is going to be an upset. The Cowboys has not instilled any confidence in anybody as of late. They have looked terrible down the stretch of the season, which makes me want to bet the Cowboys. If I can get the Cowboys a minus two and a half, everyone's on the Buccaneers. You can get them under a field goal as a favorite on the road. I kind of want to take that. Yeah, I'm with you here, and I think you might be able to get even better than two and a half, as we saw Think that today. line's going to move a bit? Well, on Tuesday morning, so we're six days out from the game, there was pretty much all the threes that were left. Um, yeah. Cowboys minus three became Cowboys minus two and a half. Yep. This being a Monday night game, the last game of the weekend, people see Brady as a home underdog in the playoffs against a Cowboys team that really struggled on Sunday. I think a lot of people are going to be on the Bucks and maybe enough to move this line a little bit lower. So I'd wait on the Cowboys if you if you like Dallas, and, and that's the way I'm looking. I know the Cowboys were terrible against the Commanders. They had 2.8 yards per play, 
I think the concerning part about that performance was they were trying to win the game because they still had hopes to win the NFC East. So a lot of these struggles happened with Dak Prescott and then Sam Howell, a rookie quarterback for the commanders on the other side. So I do understand this line movement and the interest in the Buccaneers. I just can't get over the fact that the Buccaneers are, are a terrible team. I mean, look at their wins and yeah. like how they won these games. They had to come back against the Rams, the the um, Saints, the Cardinals, and the Saints game was a miraculous win. The Cardinals was Trace McSorley on, on Christmas Day or Christmas night. And then the Panthers in Week 17, a game where they got like a lot of players healthy, the Panthers had a disastrous injury report, and the Panthers are up by 11 in the fourth quarter. So I, I really think – the Buccaneers are just a bad team and they're being elevated and propped up because they somehow won the division at eight and nine and they have Tom Brady as their quarterback, but they're a poorly coached team. They're just not having played well all year. And the Cowboys for the most part, other than this maybe recent swoon that they've had have been the far better team throughout the year, other than when they played each other in week one and the Buccaneers won that game, but can't take any stock into that game at all. So plus, I mean, Tampa has been horrible against the spread. They're yeah. four and twelve against the spread, and when they're underdogs of plus money of when they're getting points, they're zero and four. Yeah. They're really bad as an underdog. So I, I just I think the market somehow has gotten this Tampa Bay team wrong, and a lot of people like to bet them because of Tom Brady, and they're now facing another team people love to bet because they're the Cowboys. But somehow they're still only getting two and a, they're only laying two and a half points for the Cowboys. I like I like Dallas. Yeah, the Buccaneers. I, like I think them. their win total before the year was eleven. So I think everyone's anticipating like eventually they're going to turn the corner. Right. Like it's a typical of a Brady team to maybe struggle a little early and then figure some things out and be ready to go for the playoffs. I'm not sure if they're ready to go. And the no. Cowboys. I think the way to go is wait a little bit, see where this number goes. You might be able to get a really good number. And I, the way I'm looking is maybe splitting my bet: Cowboys first half and then full game because the Bucks have had a lot of their wins having to come back in the second half. So maybe to protect my, you know, a potential Brady comeback going Cowboys first half, hope they have the lead at halftime, but also backing it up with full game just because I think we're getting a potentially a really good discount on Dallas in this spot. Yeah, it seems that way. I mean, you just see people saying, oh, I'm baiting Dallas, I'm going heavy on Tampa Bay, and I'm thinking, have you watched the Buccaneers play this season? Have you seen what they put out on that field? It is not good a lot of the time, and I just don't understand people being so strongly against the Cowboys. Now, if the Cowboys were underdogs in this situation, maybe I'd understand it a little bit more, but, man, I just – Tampa Bay inspires no confidence in anybody. Yep. Let alone, it doesn't inspire confidence in me. They're not a team that I immediately see like, okay – Time to back them. Absolutely time to back Tampa Bay. Nope. So very bizarre. I think I would definitely be on the Cowboys for this one. We'll have to see come Thursday. Uh, so those are that's the way we lean for these NFL playoff games. We will have all of our picks for the games on Thursday as well. But it has come to the time of the podcast, Nate. Let's just take a little gander back on August 30th. Sun was shining. Weather was warm. We were feeling good oh, yeah. about the upcoming NFL season. Now it's uh, <laughs> chilly and windy and terrible here in the city of Chicago. But time to look back at our uh, at our bets from the uh, regular season for the regular season win totals. We had some great ones, had some good ones, and had uh, some bad misses. Let, let's get the bad miss out of the way here because this was both of us missing poorly on this team. That's the Indianapolis Colts. So we might as well get the bad out of the way first. We were completely wrong with the Colts. We love the over. I love the over. I bet the over for their win total. Uh, over 9.5, I believe, is what I got it at. I don't know what you had, but I think it was like 9.5. 
Uh, they uh, very much did not get over that with uh, head coach Jeff Saturday going one for seven <laughs> in his last eight games. Yeah, so when we talked about this uh, team on August 30th, their win total was actually up to 10. Wow. Uh, they were odds on to win the division. We talked about them, though, earlier in the summer, how we liked them at, at better numbers to win the division, over 9.5. So that got bet up. So everyone was, you know, thinking the Colts would be a, a good team, and I think there was – um, we'll get to a team that I think was going to take a step back that was the reason people liked the Colts. But yeah. I listened back to uh, what we said about the Colts, and we liked Matt Ryan as an upgrade over Carson Wentz. We liked Jonathan Taylor. We liked their defense. We liked their coach to start the season in Frank Reich. They also had a favorable schedule, getting a lot of those division foes early who we didn't yeah. think that division would be good. So I made a case for them to win the division. You liked their win total over – I mean, I think both were kind of correlated. The uh, the winner of the AFC South ended up winning nine games, so I think that's why I kind of preferred the division at that point, knowing that 11 wins was going to have to get it done when we recorded. But, yeah, a, a clear miss by us, but also I think kind of who knows if Jim Irsay doesn't get super emotional, if maybe they keep Frank Reich the whole season and not go to Sam Ellinger for no reason at all and ends up getting Reich fired and hiring Jeff Saturday, maybe this turns out a little better and, and maybe the Colts could be in a buy-low spot next year depending on who their head coach and quarterback is if they do have a low win total because there was definitely a lot of close games that they lost. So obviously it was a bad pick. They ended up being a pretty horrible team, but they also – Lost a lot of close games, including two early games to the Titans, which caused Jim Irsay to lose his mind and relieve Frank Reich of his duties probably a little bit earlier than he should have. Let's look at the Bears. Uh, you had the under six and a half wins. That was an easy cakewalk for the Chicago team. Speaking as someone who is from Chicago and knows a lot of Chicago Bears fans, a lot of people were high on the Bears heading into the season. They thought maybe the over was uh, about as easy as a bet as you could make. And it wasn't. Three wins on the season for Chicago. They completely tanked the year. Got the first overall pick, so it worked. But they absolutely slammed the under six and a half wins. Yeah, six and a half under was bet all summer. I think it was plus money in June and July when we started talking about this stuff. And by the time we recorded this episode in August, there was a lot of under six and a half minus 200s. But there was still some under six and a half minus 150 was the best available so still a justifiable bet at that point and really what came down for for the bears is you just look at their roster and how little talent they had mm -hmm. and also the moves that the front office made in the offseason it was a new yep. gm and it was clear that they were just kind of figuring out it was it was a true rebuild and tear down in chicago and, and anyone who had talent and, and a big roster caps hit was traded out before the season and then the trades continued in the middle of the season moving Roquan Smith and Robert Quinn so everything pointed in the direction of the Bears planning for 2023 and when you have a, a ch uh, opportunity to fade a team for that year when they're trying to figure things out you take advantage so Bears under six and a half although they did show some competitiveness they lost a lot of close games going one and seven and one score games so Maybe a few bounces go their way and they end up trying to be more competitive in a kind of a weak NFC, but it looks really good when you have the under uh, win total on a team who ends up finishing with the number one pick in the next upcoming draft. I had the Panthers over six and a half wins. I don't know how the hell I got that, but I, I got it by the skin it, of my teeth. It was, that season did not go as I expected. 
For no. sure, for the Panthers. They won and, that final game against the Saints, and that got them the over. And you won the bet, so I don't want to take anything away from you, but you were talking about you liked the uh, Baker Mayfield Christian <laughs> McCaffrey yeah. backfield partnership <laughs> with DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson. Oh, no. And you did dismiss. You're like, yeah, hey, I don't think much of Matt Rule, but Matt Rule was there to start the season. So four of the five people you mentioned all gone. were all gone like midway yeah. through the season. Yeah. But Steve Wilkes got promoted to interim coach. Uh, P.J. Walker kind of uh, held afloat the team when Love PJ. Baker was hurt or, or benched, and then Sam Darnold got healthy, yeah. and uh, he wasn't great, but he was a good enough game manager where yeah. serviceable. he you you know, was able to hand off the ball and little, at least be respectable for the, for the Panthers, and the team clearly wanted to play for Steve Wilkes, um, a, play, a guy who obviously they have a lot of respect for. So somehow – the Panthers, who at one point in the season, after they fired Matt Rule, were probably the favorites to be the, to get the number one pick. Yeah, they were just ended like up that. going over all their win totals with the last game of the season, much to my chagrin, against the New Orleans Saints, where the Panthers won ten to seven. Even though Sam Darnold only completed five passes for forty three yards that game, they're an efficient um, team. Efficient yeah. team, and as this kind of leads into my NFC South related bet, because we had differing opinions on who we thought would finish second in the NFC South. Yes, I like the Saints. The way I was going to attack the Saints was the over three division wins. Okay, so I like the Saints overall, but their win total got bet up throughout the summer from seven and a half to eight and a half. So I didn't want to chase that, but I also wanted to fade the NFC South, the Falcons, the Bucks the Panthers, teams I had questions about. Um, and the Saints played their first three games against the division. So I thought, you know, Saints are looking good right now. They're healthy. If they get out to a hot start, maybe they start 3-0 and I can push this bet and just need one with uh, these, you know, the Saints having to play these games late against division teams. I liked um, the Bucks. Uh, I like that the Saints were playing the Bucks early in the year because I had questions about the Bucks going right. into the summer, just how, like, their injuries were piling up in training camp. The problem with that is Dennis Allen is just a horrible coach. <laughs> I mean, he really screwed he, you even, on this one. Even though the Saints went one and two in that three-game stretch, uh, and then they beat the Falcons, they were, I think, were, or the the game that really was painful was that Monday night game, week thirteen. Saints up thirteen points with like four minutes left against the Bucks, and they and they blew that game. So then at that point, the best I can do is a push. Then the Saints, after bye week, beat the Falcons. And then I just needed them to beat the Panthers. And it was another Dennis Allen special, and they lost and finished 2-4 and four in the division. So that was one of the losing bets. Saints over three division wins. But I feel like, at worst, I should have pushed. Vikings, you hit the over pretty easily. That's pretty <laughs> self-explanatory. I mean, you were high on the Vikings last year. You were high on them this year. You have the over 8.5. That hit, and somehow hit honestly with the way that point differential ended up but they really soared over that eight and a half yeah, win 13 total. wins uh, pretty impressive they you went extra money for that they went, they went over eight and a half on thanksgiving night being the patriots in a game they probably deserved to lose but they won and they found yeah. ways to win games this season after losing pretty much every close game in 2021 i was expecting maybe some positive regression and some of the luck to go their way well, I think the luck almost went too far in their direction. Seemingly, yeah. Where now Jeez. maybe next year we can go back under on the Vikings. <laughs> yeah. I feel like they're going to be a popular under pick. Um, yeah, maybe. But I did like the new coaching staff for the Vikings. You get an offensive mind in. 
maybe getting rid of Mike Zimmer would be a breath of fresh air for a defense that kind of lost uh, lost faith and buy-in in his yeah. system. I also like the Viking schedule, getting nine home games and seven road games because their other extra game was in London. So just a lot of things to like about the Vikings. I also suggested them to possibly just bet them to make the playoffs, or you could go over eight and a half or over nine, and and they did all that pretty much by early December. So I like the Vikings a lot. You even mentioned you like the Vikings in Week One against the Packers, which they was the only game I think this season, other than Week 18, where they won the game by by more than one possession. So love it. Really weird, weird year for the Vikings, who obviously exceeded expectations in terms of the win total but now they're the three seed in the nfc playoffs and they're only a three-point favorite against the new york giants on sunday and if you look at their super bowl odds they're 35 to 1 to win the super bowl which is basically the same number it was before the season so even though the vikings exceeded expectation from a win total perspective they are viewed as like a very average team right now as we head into the postseason so i'm happy i won that on the vikings i probably should have won their win total last year uh so maybe it's kind of just balances out because i probably should have lost this year um so yeah that's that's my take on the uh vikings team that i was happy they won a lot of those games early but then i found myself trying to bet against them pretty much from like mid-october on the lions came through for me over six and a half wins and i remember the reasoning that i gave behind the lions was uh i just like dan campbell dan campbell gets the guys energized they like to fight for him they like to play for him that was really my only reasoning, but it turns out, I mean, that's one of the bigger reasons they did well, but they very clearly have drafted well through the last couple of years. They have a lot of good young guys. Um, St. Brown has showed up on the wide receiving core. They got rid of Hawkinson, and they still won nine games on the season. They got some capital for that one, too, so everything is looking up for the Lions. I don't think we're going to get uh, an easy win total for them next season. I think the expectations for them are going to be pretty high next season. Yep. But I was glad to get the over six and a half. You know, they they look good. They won some fun games. They're a fun team. I'm disappointed they didn't make the playoffs, but they're going to have a fun year next year, I think, as well. For sure. So you, the Panthers and Lions were the, the two overs you shared that were, kind of, I think, kind of late ads for you. You said yes. the Panthers were a head play. And you said the Lions were a hard play yeah, because you liked Dan, you liked Dan Campbell. Yeah. You liked what you saw when they were on HBO's Hard Knocks, which yeah. I know is sometimes a concern that teams don't do very well after appearing on Hard Knocks. We're seeing that with the Arizona Cardinals <laughs> yeah. in-season appearance on that yeah, program. That's rough. Uh, but you also were down on the Bears, and you were also down on the Packers. So that's why you kind of liked the Lions. And we saw Week 18 with nothing to play for after they got eliminated from the playoffs like 45 minutes before because the Seahawks won. The Lions go into Lambeau Field against a Packers team that have everything to play for, and they win the game on the field. And, Amazing. And I thought that was – Pretty incredible by the Lions, a team that definitely could have either mailed it in or just not been fully motivated. And they played the game like it was their Super Bowl. They played that game like the Packers have tortured them for 25 years, which is actually the case. And I was just impressed how Dan Campbell got that team prepared and all the aggressive moves he made to put the Packers in back spots that worked out for him. So all credit to the Lions, a team that looked really – poor early in the season especially defensively but a team that as you mentioned kind of wish they were in the playoffs because it would make it be so fun a game more entertaining yeah, just be because so i think I'd, I'd make the argument the lions are the fourth best team in the nfc right now yeah listen I mean, when you have a team that plays with I that mean, type the of Packers heart. are better but i mean the lions if the lions played the vikings this week the lions would in in detroit the lions would probably be a field goal or more favorite 
and and they're better than the Giants and they're better than the Seahawks and uh, they're better than the Bucks. So yeah, I think the Lions uh, are definitely going to be a team next year that are going to get a lot of hype. Yeah, they have to now the with NFC, the pressures on yeah. them. See if well, they can the come through but once the pressures. Just on thinking them. the NFC North teams and the Vikings maybe taking a step back, and who knows yeah. what the Packers are going to look like next season. The Lions are going to be an extremely popular division bet with how they ended the season. So let's get to – you have two two more. We'll get through those. Uh, Titans under, I don't think we got to yet. Yeah, so the Titans under was kind of correlated with the Colts doing well. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I liked the Colts a lot to win the division because I thought the Titans were going to take a big step back. I took under nine and a half wins. That didn't really look so good. Ten games in the season when the Titans started uh, seven and three. However, after two weeks, the Titans were 0 and 2. I'm like okay, this is like a bet that I might be able to cash by like October. Yes, and then the Titans wrap round up those you know seven wins and in, in eight games. I'm like, oh, this is classic Mike Vrabel doing more more with less. Yeah, somehow going to win like ten games, even though they're going to be an underdog as, in the playoffs because they're just not very talented. But then they end up losing their last seven games of the year, and uh, quite easily going under nine and a half wins. It ended up being, but. Yeah, this bet was a lot a lot of uh, correlation to the Colts to win the division. So I lost all the Colts stuff but made up a little bit with the Titans winning the division and then the Jacksonville Jaguars ended up being the team to uh, win the AFC South, which is something I didn't expect, but I guess in hindsight not totally surprised about because of how bad Urban Meyer was. And you got the 49ers too. Yeah, so this was one I, I'm pretty proud of, I guess. Um I was down on the division in general for the 49ers, the the NFC West, the other teams, the Rams. I thought they'd take a big step back, not as big of a step back as they actually took. But I was also a little bit sour on the Cardinals and Seahawks. I was, you know, yeah. the, the Cardinals proved to be a, a bad team, but the Seahawks definitely um, made me look wrong in terms of that assessment. But I still like the Niners to win that division. Um, and the time we recorded this podcast, August 30th, it was right after Jimmy G restructured his deal to be the highest paid backup in the NFL. I did like the idea of Trey Lance and Kyle Shanahan's system, but then Trey Lance gets hurt in the first half of week two after they lose to the Bears in week one. Jimmy G steps in, and it was obviously, you know, he didn't need much of a, you know, he was. Yeah, the he infrastructure's was there. For yeah, him. the infrastructure's that, perfect for him. Yeah, the reason I really like the Niners, I just like the team and the roster and the and the scheme, and it turned out to be uh, uh, that's you know the Niners are one of the favorites to win the Super Bowl because of that, even though Brock Purdy's their starting quarterback. So um, the Niners, a team that I was definitely looking to buy on, and they pretty much exceeded all those expectations. So looking forward to seeing the 49ers in the playoffs. Yeah. So listen, we I thought we did a really good job with these futures, and, and we're going to be doing it again come August. We're going to have even more futures. We're going to have more win totals. So I'm, I'm really excited about that because clearly whatever processes that we did turned out pretty good for the most part. We were, we were in the positive. Yeah, I think the one thing we did, we did a correlation with our lot of bets. So liking the Vikings over – Mm-hmm. Kind of went hand in hand with liking the Bears under. Yes, even though it didn't work, liking the Colts went hand in hand with like liking or disliking or wanting to short the Titans. So, if you can kind of find um, a, maybe a group of teams like I, I didn't like the Rams, Cardinals, and Seahawks. So mm-hmm. the bet that took stuck out was instead of betting the 49ers at like even money over ten wins, bet them at plus one eighty to win a division. So. Kind of like trying to assess the whole division and, and not just trying to find teams you like to bet on, but also 
finding creative ways to bet on them at and get them at better prices. So I think that's kind of the big takeaway when betting NFL futures and tying your money up for four and a half months. All right, fig- finish this out, Nate. You have a golf article coming out. Yeah, so golf season is back, full field, PGA Tour. Oh, yeah. Um, I'm going to have the article on Wednesdays this year. And so Tuesday, just give me an extra day to write. We'll have something about the Sony Open in Hawaii, which starts on Thursday. So make sure to follow me on Twitter at DayJacobson1, and we'll have that article probably a little bit later than normal. We'll try to get that Wednesday mornings typically, but this one might be Wednesday afternoon just because I need a little bit more time to do research because I have not been following the sport of golf since August. So that's uh, going to happen, and if we do record a podcast um, and I do have some bets, I will share them um, throughout the season, and then we'll definitely do a little bit more stuff when the majors come around. Very exciting. The more that means it's the, weather's going to get warmer, is what that means. Yeah. Well, if you watch the uh, golf weather in Hawaii, you're going to you know make yourself think that the weather's warm outside. Watching some of these events in Hawaii and the West Coast early in the season. All right. So that'll do it for us. We'll be back on Thursday with all our bets for playoff football. <laughs>